This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston, and it's great to be with you all each week as we continue to explore the Church's mission to share the incredible news of the Gospel. In this week, I head over to Beaverton, Oregon, to speak with Father Tony Galati, who was ordained in 2021 and who serves as the parochial vicar of Holy Trinity Parish. I was interested in his perspective as a relatively new priest and as someone who came into that vocation in ministry with the experience of having been married before his call to the priesthood. Not many priests have the experience of raising children, and indeed, as you'll hear Father Tony explain, it was the realization that the only way he was going to pass along the faith to his children was if he lived it out in an authentic and intentional way. And that began opening many doors in his spiritual and vocational life. And among the doors that opened for Father Tony was a friendship with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that's where I want to begin this episode, by turning to Mary, who helps guide us along these paths of evangelization. In the rich tradition of iconography, there's a style depicting the Virgin Mary as Hodegetria, and you might have seen this kind of icon uh, before. It shows the Virgin Mary holding the child Jesus and pointing to him. And Jesus is holding up one hand as a sign of blessing, while the other hand has a scroll in it which contains the gospel. The term Hodegetria is translated literally to mean, she who shows the way. The mother directs us to her son who blesses us and shares the word of life. And I wonder, have you ever felt that piercing gaze of Mary as she tries to catch your attention? And when your eyes do meet, she whispers to you, look up, look up from your worries and your frustrations. Look over there. My son has been waiting for you. Do whatever he tells you. Trust in his goodness. Trust in his plans. She observes us with her motherly heart as we pace around anxiously, and she's moved with compassion. She understands better than anyone else what we are looking for and what will make us happy. In her song of joy, we hear, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And that's not just Mary's song, my friends. These words should be our refrain as well. Do we proclaim the greatness of the Lord and rejoice in God our Savior? It is, after all, through the witness of a rejoicing spirit that we participate in the mission of evangelization. Our own lives can serve as a hodegetria, pointing the way to the Lord as Our Lady does in the icon. And in order to maintain this posture of always pointing others to Jesus, 
we must remain open to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. The journey of conversion is lifelong. God is forever trying to make us more beautiful, like a sculptor who returns to his marble over and over again to smooth out every inch of the rough surface. So we have to be careful not to become complacent, as though we're no longer in need of any further spiritual growth. Even after a profound conversion, there's still a chance we're, we're tempted to say, Okay, Lord, it's been a pleasure, but really, I've got it from here. Just go ahead and, and spend your time on, on someone else. We need to fight that temptation and, and always seek out Jesus in a deeper way so that we can continue to point others to Him. In an earlier episode, I spent some time discussing the importance of returning to Galilee, which is the name of the region where Jesus called his disciples and where he taught and where he performed miracles and healings. I shared before how Pope Francis exhorts us to identify that existential Galilee in our own lives. As he writes, returning to Galilee means treasuring in my heart the living memory of that call. When Jesus passed my way, gazed at me with mercy and asked me to follow him. It means reviving the memory of that moment when his eyes met mine, the moment when he made me realize that he loved me. So where is my Galilee? Have I forgotten it? Have I gone off on roads and paths which made me forget it? Lord, help me. Tell me what my Galilee is, for you know that I want to return there to encounter you and to let myself be embraced by your mercy. Now, if we want to get accurate directions to a place, it's always best to ask someone who is acquainted with the area, right? So if we want to find our way back to Galilee, shouldn't we ask someone who is intimately familiar with it? And the Blessed Virgin Mary's heart is intensely close to this place, and she promises to guide us along those dusty roads of Galilee to her Son and our Savior. And then from Galilee, Our Lady will continue to lead us to the places where her Son is most needed. In a prayer composed by Pope Francis in 2013, we hear the words, Star of the New Evangelization, help us to bear radiant witness to communion, service, ardent and generous faith, justice and love of the poor, that the joy of the gospel may reach to the ends of the earth, illuminating even the fringes of our world. So the mission is clear that we need to be those radiant witnesses to communion so that the joy of the gospel can illuminate even the fringes of our world. And those fringes can be found actually much closer to home than we realize, because there are those who are close to us who are very far from God. So please enjoy my conversation with Father Tony, who shares with us some insights from his first months of priestly ministry and how the Holy Spirit is continuing to open doors for him. I'm happy to be joined today by Father Tony Galati, who serves as the parochial vicar at Holy Trinity Parish in Beaverton, Oregon. Father Tony, thanks so much for coming on to the show. How are you today? Well, I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And uh, gosh, I'm just really grateful for your time and, and really for this chance to hear about how God has been at work in your own life. Um, as I often say on the show, we probably would not be having this conversation if you yourself had not been evangelized in some way. So 
What was that like in your case, Father Tony? What did evangelization look like in your story? Oh boy, it's a long story. <laughs> um, I, I can say that uh, it started with my children, actually. Hmm. Um, I had I reached a point when uh, my oldest son was was going through sacramental prep, and I recognized that the only way I was going to pass along the faith to my kids was if I lived it myself. And so I made an active and conscious decision to start living my faith in a, in a much more profound manner than I'd been living it. And that was the start of, of, um, you know, my evangelization. Yeah. What did that start to look like in your, in your day-to-day life? When you say you wanted to live it out more intentionally, what kind of changed? Well, um, I started going to daily mass um, I, uh, at the time I was working in the shipping business and we were right across a couple of blocks away from St. Michael's downtown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I started going to, to mass at lunch and, um, that led to, um, you know, frequent confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to a whole bunch of other things, but I, um, over time I, I adopted, uh, the liturgy of the hours, taught myself how to do that. Um, at a certain point, um, I became a third order Dominican, okay. um, which led to consecration to the Blessed Mother, um, which led to my uh, taking a, the, the executive director position at, at uh, Modern Day, yeah. um, which led to <laughs> ultimately to my becoming a priest. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and I love hearing about how God just keeps opening up all these doors. So, um, yeah. And he did it yeah. despite myself. So, yeah. Oh, we're very good at getting in our, in our yeah, own way. No, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Father Tony, when were you ordained a priest for the archdiocese? I was ordained in June of last year. So June of uh, 2021, I think it was June 24th. Okay. It yeah. Is 26th. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a blur ever since. Well, talk, talk to us a little bit about that blur, because here you've experienced this, uh, you know, these transformations, your own walk of faith. It, mm-hmm. again, opened up all these doors um, professionally, vocationally. Um, what is what is it looking like now in your life of ministry? How is that kind of current of evangelization continuing uh, these days? Oh, it's it is absolutely amazing. Um, oh, wow. You know, my first couple, three months, uh, I I didn't really have a good sense of what I was doing or how I was doing it. It was basically somebody would point and then push me in the direction of whatever it was I was supposed to do. But, you know, over time, it's become um, it's I've I've begun to understand it just just a little bit more. Um, I can tell you um, I have not had a bad day yet. Not one. Uh, Maybe a. uh, you know, five minutes here and there, but it's been a a wonderful thing. Um, You know, I get to celebrate the mass pretty much every day. I get, uh, I get to hear confessions. Um, um, I'm anointing hundreds of people, um, you know, on a monthly basis. And it's just been, it's been wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we, we were talking earlier about what I, you know, what, what I'm responsible for doing here. I I can't tell you. It's just, there's just so much stuff that's going on that um, it's, it's wonderful. I go to sleep at night. I wake up excited for the day. Um, And even, um, even just the little things, um, 
I preached about uh, confession last weekend. Um, I'd say I never would have anticipated the effects that confession has on a confessor. Um, yeah. It's just amazing. I, 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 I get to see people in at their most vulnerable, yeah. um, but people who are saints, people who are struggling to, to live the life of, 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 a, of a Christian. Um, and it's just, it's just a never ending source of inspiration for me. It's just incredible. Well, that's beautiful because we, we often hear about the fruits and the effects of, of going to the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah. It's interesting to, to turn it around a little and hear the yeah. impact on the priest who's hearing the confession. Yeah. yeah. No, I, in fact, speaking of confession, um, you know, for the first couple, three months, when I first, when I first arrived here at Holy Trinity, and I've told this to the my parishioners as well, but you know, I would look after each person would visit. I'd kind of look up to the ceiling and I'd say, "Oh Lord, this is really kind of weird for me. Why do you have me doing this?" Right. <laughs> it's just it was bizarre for me. I mean, it, and you know, we we took a class on reconciliation in um, in in seminary. And the priest who taught us was very careful to say, you know, what we are going to practice here in this class is not what you're going to actually see in reality. And so I I walked into it knowing that. But on the other hand, not knowing what the reality is supposed to be, I had no clue. Well, three months into it, I suddenly was overwhelmed with a, um, a sense that the Holy Spirit was present. And, um, ever since then, uh, that sacrament has been a particular joy to me, just wow. a particular joy. It's just, I look forward to it. Um, and when, when it comes to an end, usually I have fixed hours for, for hearing confessions when it comes to an end and the last person comes through, there's always a twinge of, of disappointment that that experience has to end now. Hmm. So anyway, it's been, it's been a, it's been a wild ride and I've enjoyed virtually every minute of it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Father Tony Galati, who serves as the parochial vicar at Holy Trinity Parish in Beaverton, Oregon. Father Tony, when you started to share your story, you mentioned how it was uh, really in like raising your children where you realized you you couldn't really pass along the faith if you yourself were not living this yeah. in an intentional way. In your work with parents and families now, how are you helping others then uh, in their own kind of faith journey so that they can then transmit the faith to the next generation. How has that unfolded in your ministry? Well, you know, we have a very large parish here and, um, a lot of, a lot of families. Um, I can, I can tell you, well, first of all, I I really do have an appreciation for the job that parents do. And I think, I think they, they recognize that, in me, at least because I've had, I've had a family of my own. So I think that gives me a little more um, credibility than, than maybe than I, than I deserve, but also than I think some priests would get. So I have, um, I think I have a, a, a greater access to, to to some of the problems that they bring with them. I would say that, um, you know, sometimes I wonder who's ministering to whom, um, our, our, uh, a lot of our families are very, very strong, um, you know, daily mass type Catholics. And um, 
you know, I, I, I get a lot out of them as much as I am able to give to them too. So I become something of a resource, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I'm always trying to, to, um, to point out the, the religious dimensions of things. Um, mm-hmm. Families tend to, you know, get bogged down sometimes with, you know, mundane type things. And I, I always try and point to the, to the, to the sacred. You're right. Cause that can, it might feel discouraging to families who are like trying to striving to live out that Christian life, but it's like, yeah. Uh, where are those holy moments in, you know, cleaning up every mess and yeah, in, in exactly. The commute, in exactly. The, yeah. But it's there. Well, you'll hear, you'll hear a kid uh, throw a fit in the middle of mass. And yeah. I, I, for me, it's, it's always a big grin on my face when I hear somebody's yelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you kind of sparked something with talking about the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, I sort of situate it within the mission of evangelization. Do you see like a particular role for the sacrament of confession um, as we're striving to be good evangelizers? Where does it fit into just the, the mission of evangelization, kind of bringing people back to the sacrament of reconciliation? Well, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I just heard confessions today and I had a number of people that had, uh, that came in that had been away for a very, very long time. Wow. I mean, decades. Yeah. And um, it, for me, first of all, I guess it's a great joy for me when, when somebody does come in and, yeah. um, and they're worried. First of all, that's the, the big, yeah. the big hurdle. You gotta, you gotta put them at ease and let them know that you're, you're grateful that they're there. Absolutely. And in my case, I, I genuinely am. But, um, you know, it's it's all in how you, um, you know, you put them at ease and then you you just if they don't know what they're doing, you just kind of give them a little prompt. And, right. you know, typically I'll, I'll say just rattle them off. And <laughs> yeah. and that that usually generates a smile and it puts them at ease and then they just yeah. they start doing it. But, you know, the, the other the other dimension is, you know, getting them in the mindset to, to come on a more regular and frequent basis. I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, I'll just basically tell them, you know, wait, don't let it go another 20 years or whatever yeah. it's been, yeah. you know, think about maybe coming, you know, a, a couple, three, four times a year Yeah. yeah. because the grace is there. I mean, God wants mm-hmm. to shower us with buckets of, of grace. And the reality is that they're only depriving themselves of that, of that, you know, God given stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and heaven knows we need more, uh, we need more reconciled people in the world. We need more of that spirit of reconciliation. When we talk about overcoming um, division and and disunity and, and kind of the chaos that sometimes seems to reign in the culture, um, I can see really that uh, kind of infusing all of that with the spirit of reconciliation. um, Right is a good thing. You know, it is a good thing, especially in this day and age. I mean, COVID is starting to wind down, I guess, but I mean, that's been on a lot of people's minds. The, the fact that, yeah. you know, we're not as socialized as, as we had been. I think um, the situation in, um, in Eastern Europe is, yeah. is bogging people down with a lot of uh, anxiety and grief. Um, and I, you know, I mean, aside from, from mass, our, the recourse we have is reconciliation. I, I know currently in our archdiocese, and I've heard Archbishop Sample speak a lot about this, which I've loved, 
And he's saying a lot that Jesus changes everything. And he does. He really does. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on how we can encourage, inspire, equip people to speak boldly of Jesus Christ and what he does in a person's life? Um, how, how do we help people with that? Well, um, first of all, you have to live it. Um, it's, uh, it goes without saying that if you don't live it, you're not going to be the, the example that you, you know, that you want to be. Um, in my, in my brief tenure here as a, as yeah. a priest, um, I've found a number of ways I've been involved in, um, well, like RCIA and, mm-hmm. um, we have an adult faith formation for me at, at my age, it, some of this stuff does not come instinctively just because I've got a, a whole lifetime before me that, that didn't lend itself so much to, to that type of um, evangelization that you're sure. talking about. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, ever since ordination, and actually well before that as well, my formation in seminary was uh, geared that way as well. Yeah. You have to be mindful of what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're saying. So even, even in, a, in a Sunday homily, Mm-hmm. Um, I've, and father Dave is, is very big on this. He, he wants to put forth a message that people can, first of all, receive and then digest yeah. and hopefully walk away thinking about yeah. what it is they've heard. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've learned a, a tremendous amount just in the short time that I've been here, uh, in, you know, relative to how to do that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm particularly gifted with that right now. But I am at least mindful of it. And I also am mindful of the fact that um, if I am not vocal in that sense and um, even decisive in a certain manner of speaking, mm. I'm, I'm not useful. <laughs> right. And so I have to, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about that stuff. Even my reading habits have changed Right now, I, I tend to, to gravitate toward things that are going to help me foster that message better. So uh, it's, it's a whole life-changing attitude that, that, um, that carries the, the message. That carries it forward. And you're right. We need to yeah. be able to give that witness by our own mm-hmm. lives. And, but that doesn't happen on its own or on. No, it doesn't happen. Right? On its own. It comes, it, it requires a lot of prayer and a lot of preparation. I was going to ask, you mentioned reading habits. Are there things that you're uh, taking in in your spiritual reading these days that have had an impact or that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I've, um, I read a, I most recently read a, a book by Brant Petrie. It has to do with uh, virtues and vices. Um, mm. I was, I was compelled to to pick that book up because it had uh, a number of scriptural references that I have found to be um, actually quite useful in the confessional. Um, It's one thing to say, you know, don't do that anymore. It's another thing to say, put yourself in this particular Psalm and read it the next couple of days with yourself as the, as the object of, um, of that, of that, of that prayer. Um, and I've found that to be actually very useful. So, and then I'm reading, um, what else am I reading right now? Um, well, this is more for fun, but I'm I'm reading a book on the prologue of, uh, St. John's gospel. 
Um, I've always been intrigued with that prologue in John's gospel in, in general. But um, this, this particular book is by Anthony Esselin, uh, who's a scholar in the East Coast, places, um, places the prologue of John's gospel in a kind of a poetic frame of reference. And it's, um, it's just opening that prologue up even all the more for me. So awesome. I like how you describe that you're reading that for fun. I was expecting yeah. maybe like a, <laughs> a mystery novel or something, but no, oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, coming alongside that, have you been turning to any saints in particular kind of as you've been uh, entering into this season of ministry? I've always been a fan of Padre Pio. So he's on my, definitely on my list. I'm also <clears throat> spending um, quite a bit of time with um, St. John Vianney, the mm-hmm. Curie of ours. Yeah. And my, my, my always go-to person is the Blessed Mother. So between those three, I'd say also St. Dominic, because um, mm-hmm. I'm a third order Dominican. And the preaching um, aspect of that is important to me. So, yeah, those are my go-tos, go-to people right now. Excellent go-to people. And with the time that we have left, Father Tony, I love to ask my guests just to leave us with a word of hope and encouragement uh, in these days. Well, I would say this. You know, Jesus Christ is, is our Lord and, and Savior. And I, um, I cannot recommend too strongly to turn whatever difficulties, sufferings, griefs, sorrows, whatever, to turn them over to him. It sounds kind of counterintuitive. You don't want to give your best friend all your troubles. But on the other hand, that's what he's here for. And I'll tell you something. I have found, at least in my life, that when I turn things over to our Lord, um, he doesn't necessarily remove the sadness or the grief or the, the struggle that you're having with it. But one thing he does do is he gives you something to help you cope better with it to the point where I look forward to being able to give him all that stuff because it gives me a joy to do that. And over time, I think some of those things fade or or, are replaced with other things and issues, but our Lord is there. He's there to take it all on himself. A great word to end on. Turn to our Lord Jesus Christ. He is there. Oh, Father Tony, thank you so much for your time today. May God continue to bless you, your, your priesthood, your ministry, and the good people of your parish. You Thank you very much, Miriam. It's God, God bless you too. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. In our conversation, Father Tony briefly mentioned that he was reading a book about the prologue of John's Gospel some of the most recognizable and beautiful words from the New Testament. We read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him nothing came to be. What came to be through Him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. 
Oh, it's such a beautiful passage. And as I reflect on it for this episode, I'm reminded that, well, you and I, we are not the light. But we too, like John, we're called to testify to the light. As I said in my intro, we are to point others to Christ, to the light of the world. And we will not find hope or our deepest identity or purpose anywhere other than in the one through whom all things came to be. So let us share the good news of the light that has not and will not be overcome by darkness. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of faith here in the Pacific Northwest. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.